We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the return, if you will, of the Sooner Sports Podcast with Toby Rowland. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been. It was hard with travel because the game was on a Monday, and that's when we typically tape our podcast. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it it would make a lot of sense to do a, a podcast that we tape on Monday and drops on Tuesday when we don't. We should have taped two. We should have taped one celebrating a win. <laughs> should Contingency <have> <laughs> podcast. <laughs> had a contingency podcast. Now, here we are now, so. Let's make the most of it. What a trip. Uh, That was great. Can we go through your road trip real quick before we get to the particulars of the game? My word, man. That was something else. Um, Well, it was the same as yours. I just spent the night in Fort Worth. Oh, that's right. And I went up to Tulsa instead of going straight to Norman, so that Mm kind of made it a little bit unique. We drove down. Let's see. We had a game here on the 30th, the Baylor game that did not go very well, basketball here on the 30th, and uh, my family went with me to New Orleans. Uh, I've not had the opportunity to take my family to a bowl game uh, with me and uh, they wanted to go this year they'd never been to New Orleans and the timing worked out so we all hopped in the car early Saturday morning on New Year's Eve as you did yes and made the drive down to New Orleans that was a fun day to drive because you had uh, you had a bunch of bowl games on that day to listen to on the way down including uh, the two semifinals. The, the part that wasn't fun was a torrential rainstorm yeah, yeah. that hit Louisiana uh, from about, I don't know what it was for you. For us, it was from about 20 miles south of Shreveport until we pulled into New Orleans. And it was full wipers the whole way. I mean, it was going 40 miles an hour or less at times, and, and that wasn't a lot of fun at all. When you're going over swamps and all you see is water on both sides, and you're like, this is getting higher. Right. Right. As we go. But and we made it. 
It was very, it was very nerve wracking for me too because there are certain things I think for all of us that are kind of triggers that get you concerned or upset. And and my, for my wife, it's rain when you drive. Mm. So as well, she, that was not a good day for her. Then. As she was the passenger, and we were lucky. We didn't hit it until just outside of Baton Rouge. Oh wow! And yeah, we got real lucky. You drove in it like most of the way. <laughs> it was hours and hours. <laughs> and she every time there would be a car, she oh oh slow down. we're okay i I think i can see this but then we finally got to the game and what a performance what uh an atmosphere what a way to cap off we just finished taping tv for sooner sports spotlight what a way to cap off uh a season that if you would have told most people a one and two would end up with 10 straight wins they would have told you you're crazy but so is the way with baker mayfield bob stoops and what p ron and mixon did this year yeah i mean we found they found a way that we're sitting here at the end of the season Feeling pretty good about things, you know, and I, that's quite an accomplishment because not just when they were one and two, but for several weeks after that, there was this kind of feeling in the air that, yeah, they won, but still, you know, this season isn't going anywhere. And we thought they were going to play for a national championship, and good it's a point. disappointment. Right. They're, they're winning some games here, but it's still a disappointment. And that lingered deep into the season, I think, for a lot of people. Right, maybe until the West Virginia game did I see that start to turn to where people started to kind of believe again and how good this football team really was, and that they're going to have a chance to win another championship, and then they they do against uh, uh, Oklahoma State, and I think people were excited about this game um, because it was an SEC opponent, because it was a New Year's Day Six Bowl, uh, the the experience last time that Oklahoma went to New Orleans. I think people were excited, and uh, they delivered. I mean, that was a very impressive performance. I thought Oklahoma was one of the most impressive teams this bowl season uh, to handle Auburn the way they did. They handled them. Yep. Uh, physically, uh, speed, precision, everything about that game, Oklahoma was the better team, and I thought they made a statement. So everyone gets excited for 2017 now. And understandably so. We got a little bit of time before we get there. I wanted to take one quick look back at the season itself. What You hit West Virginia as a moment when it seemed like fans kind of started to get back on. And listen, fans are on board, most of them nonstop. But maybe some of the attitudes changed from being negative to, wow, we – we're actually going to be okay. We're kind of talking about the feedback we get maybe on yeah, our radio and, and, and Twitter and, and Twitter yeah. and social media and stuff. So maybe that's a little bit unfair. But for for you personally, when was that moment whenever you thought, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna be okay. This team's gonna be okay for the rest of the season after starting one and two? Hmm, boy, that's a good question. Um, you know, I don't know if I really. Believed, I don't believe is not a good word, in how good they were. I kept thinking all along, this has a chance. These guys have a chance to win the Big Twelve. Right, they have a chance. Um, but it might have even been West Virginia for me, to be honest, because you know Baylor was was really struggling when they came into Norman, and they had to fight off TCU in Texas late, and. You know, nothing about the wins over Kansas or Iowa State do you thump your chest about necessarily. But West Virginia is a hard place to win, and that was a good football team. And when they went in there and 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 uh, destroyed them mm-hmm. the way they did on their home field in prime time was kind of, I guess, the eye-opener for me. That, ooh, I mean, 
what DD's doing is special and what Baker's doing is special, and these running backs are good, and this offensive line's getting better. But I don't know if I knew they were that good. Right. And then they did it again, and then they did it again. And I'm not so sure the team wasn't the same way. I think I think their belief meter kept building as the year. Maybe even the coaches, too. As the year went along from, man, we got a lot to get better at, too. By the end of the year, by that West Virginia OSU-Auburn run, they were feeling pretty good about themselves. And you saw it on the field. I uh, it, it was funny because I'm I'm much like that, you know. I'm kind of I'm usually a glass half full kind of guy, but then I often often wonder if if I'm too full <laughs> when it comes to optimism. I thought Kansas State, and not that mm-hmm. Kansas State was this great team or anything, but there's been like this odd thing in that series where the home team always right. loses. <laughs> and and right. I kind of thought whenever Kansas State came in and they beat them by three scores, that was a moment where I was like, wow. And, and I can remember the conversations we had, wow, is this defense turning a corner? Uh, and then Texas Tech happened. Mm-hmm. But since the Texas Tech game, Toby, the defense, I mean, uh, and again, you don't want to get too carried away with Kansas. Three points against Kansas. Uh, a lot 24 against Iowa State on a Thursday night whenever they had a lot of momentum and the Sooners were down to their, I guess, essentially fourth-string running back. You know, even Abdul Adams wasn't 100%. They, uh, against Baylor, though Seth Russell got hurt, 24 points they gave up. They gave up 28 to West Virginia in a bend-but-don't-break kind of a night because mm-hmm. West Virginia ran the football. And then only 20 to Oklahoma State and then shut down uh, Al- uh, Auburn. Auburn, without that late touchdown, it's a much different kind of – I guess, out, at least thought process, mindset for people. But I thought it's kind of unappreciated. And maybe because West Virginia put up the big rushing numbers, some people don't want to get too carried away with praise. But I was really impressed with the way the defense kind of bowed their neck down the stretch this season. They hung in there. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this was not one of uh, Mike Stoops or Bob Stoops' best defenses. Um, I mean, yep. the stats will tell you that. I'm not, that's no offense to the guys that just – Statistically, when you have a night like you had against Texas Tech and a night like you had against West Virginia, it, it can't be. But they hung in there. Um, some guys were forced to play that ended up being real stalwarts for this team. And you look at Gallimore and DJ Ward and, and, and Jordan Wade and Austin Roberts and Matt Romar. Those weren't the, the names we were saying when this year started. Not no. all of them, anyway, about production on the defensive line. Caleb Kelly in the bowl game was – sensational. Obo was really good for him all year, but Jordan Evans turned a corner at some point in the season and became really good for him. Jordan Parker, who wasn't on the radar when the year began, got better and better and better as the year went along. So they hung in there, and I think the last six quarters, they were great. They they weren't just good, they were great. The last half against Oklahoma State and the entire night against Auburn, um, I thought they were fantastic, and I, I, I know it was a really frustrating season for Bob and Mike and for that whole defense and for Sooner fans who love good defense. Right. Um, it was a frustrating season. Fortunately, they had an offense that was good enough to overcome it most nights, uh, every night except uh, two of the three early in the year. And, um, you know, I think that there are promising days ahead because a lot of those guys that I mentioned are young, and they've got – really promising crop it looks like coming in. Yeah, you mentioned with uh, – and you just think about those guys that were thrust into action this year. And now that experience that they carry over, two guys jump right to the front of your mind, and Neville Gallimore and Caleb Kelly. But
But, Toby, let's not forget about the guy on the other side of Jordan Thomas. What Jordan Parker mm-hmm. did this season Freshman. is still pretty special. Uh, and from what at least, you know, we'll have a lot on recruiting as we get closer to it. We can't talk too terribly much about it. But from the uh, the Sooner Squad 17 that you see so much on Twitter, it looks like that could be something pretty special as well, too. Yeah, Will Sunderland's got to step up for Ahmad Thomas. You've got to find somebody to fill that leadership void at inside linebacker. You know, maybe I shouldn't even say leadership, just that void in general, too, mm-hmm. for Jordan Evans as well, too. I, I, I'm confused by the bowl season, too. Oh, yeah? And the how, how the Big 12 did and how the Big 12 defenses did. Yeah. They, you know, that stat's been making the round on social media about the Big 12 allowed fewer points than any other conference in uh, in the bowl season. And, you know, I watched the same regular season everybody else did. I didn't think the Big 12 defenses were very good. And then they go into the bowl season, and OU plays Auburn like they did, and Kansas State plays A&M like they did, and Oklahoma State just trounced Colorado. They go 4-2, and two, and the defenses looked pretty good. And I know that's a small sampling, but I think it's got everybody wondering maybe if they weren't a little, maybe a little bit too hard on the Big 12 defenses this year. Maybe the Big 12 offenses were just – really really good and they were hard to slow down as other conferences saw in the bowl games maybe not right but i think at least the results kind of made everybody take a second look at how we evaluated this conference and, and, and then when we have those conversations uh people get mad oh you can't gauge anything off bowl games and they'll get mad at you but i think i think you got to gauge it off something have? yeah right. you've got the non-conference and you got the bowl games to compare conferences right it's all you have and the reason that we thought the Big 12 was bad, the reason we came to that conclusion, everybody did, is because they had a terrible non-conference. And Oklahoma was a part of that. You know, Houston and Ohio State. And then they all play each other, and so you can't really change your mind about how conferences compare until you get to the bowl games. Last year, the Big 12 had a terrible bowl season. Uh, This year, the Big 10, who we all thought was the best conference, had a terrible bowl. Were they three and seven? Yeah, they got smoked in the bowls. So... I don't know how else you evaluate conferences other than when they play each other. And and at least this was a step in the right direction, I think, for the Big 12. That stat that Toby was alluding to is that the Big 12, if uh, you can take all bowls, a compilation of all the bowls, allowed 21.5 points per game, that was the lowest. Uh, A good almost four points better than the SEC defenses and almost a 10-point swing from the Big 10 defenses. 21.5 was the Big 12, just to give a – ACC was 22.4. 25.4 points per game allowed by the SEC, 29.2 by the Pac-12, and 29.8 by the Big Ten. Yeah. I mean, I, I listen, You, the Big 12 is going to have to get into the Final Four and win championships to ultimately change people's minds. they got they got to get a national champion yep. soon, like in the next two or three years, I think, to start turning the narrative. But this was a step in the right direction. If they had gone one and five, which they were only favorite in one of the six bowl games. Only Oklahoma was a favorite this bowl season. You know, then you continue to pile on and say this is the worst of the five conferences, but they didn't. They went four and two. They looked really good, and I think people raised their eyebrows a little bit and said, hmm, hmm. non-conference next year will be fascinating. Yeah. Because there's a lot of really good uh, non-conference Big 12 games, and almost all of them are on the road. Next year, OU goes to Ohio State. Texas goes to USC. OSU goes to Pitt. You got more? I was just going to – I'm trying to look it up while you're sitting here talking about it is because I wasn't aware of too terribly much outside of OU and Ohio uh, TCU State. TCU goes to Arkansas. Uh, Texas Tech has Arizona State. I think it's in Lubbock. That's in Lubbock because they were in mm-hmm. uh, Tempe last year. 
Baylor goes to Duke. Not that that's a uh, a huge game, but they're Still a decent something. Power Five yeah. team, and they've got to play them on the road. Uh, but there's another one I'm missing that's pretty big, and I can't remember who it is. Uh, I want to say uh, West Virginia plays Virginia Tech at a neutral site. Uh, so, but again, uh, OU at Ohio State, U- Texas at USC. They got some monster non-conference road games. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, with that said, looking back, we'll be covering a team for the first time in a while without Samaj P. Ryan, huh. all-time leading rusher. What an amazing career! It's hard. Jessica Cootie has a really good sit down. I'm trying to talk Jess into letting us have the audio for next week's podcast and just she being stingy with it. I I don't think I've asked. Okay, but uh, thirty minutes sounds like there was a negotiation nah, going on. It there. might be. It might be. I don't know yet. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. But there was a thirty minute sit down yeah. with him. I mean, he doesn't talk. That's that much. amazing. That that really is. You know, Pop Jeremy Poplin said that whenever they were at Big Twelve Media Days, he goes, "Man, Samaje just talked." And I'm like, "Are you sure you were interviewing Samaje P. Right?" <laughs> so there's a, a couple, of, and this was one of them with Jess. And I want to hear it, and I want to listen to the whole thirty minutes, not just the you know five or six that we saw on TV or at SoonerSports.tv. But I, I wish he would have let more of his personality come out. But I get it because he's a team guy and he's not about himself, and he doesn't want to sit there and brag on Samaje P. Ryan, but. It's still pretty amazing when you look back at what he was able to accomplish in such a short amount of time. It's a fun story because, you know, we were here when he was recruited and when he was a part of that signing class, and he wasn't the headliner. No, Joe Mixon was. Right, and I was – was it uh, was Keith Ford the year before that? Keith Ford was the year before okay. that, yeah, because he was already on campus. Joe Mixon's the star. Yep. And, oh, by the way, they got another running back, uh, Samaje Perrine. Perrin, something like that. Um, but it doesn't matter because they got Joe Mixon. Right. Right? I mean, that's what everybody – nobody knew how to say his name. Um, I was at a, a couple of functions that summer with Bob Stoops who was trying to tell people, hey, this guy's pretty good. He was saying his name wrong. Yeah, and every, and all they could care about well, – and no, and no knock on anyone. You got a five-star running back. You got Joe, Joe Mixon. Mixon. Right. He had we knew how to say his back. name. Yeah. No offense to Joe Mixon. He's pretty good. But uh, who's this other cat? And I remember, <laughs> I remember he got into a game – Fairly early in the season, first, second, third game of the year, whatever, uh, and ran over somebody. <laughs> Just plastered a linebacker or a safety. Somebody came up to make a, a tackle, and we all kind of looked at each other and said, oh, I like this kid. And then the year went along, and he had that huge West Virginia game that was kind of his coming out party. And But uh, I have absolutely loved watching and calling Samaj P. Ryan the last – three years, the physicality he runs with, the highlights he's given us, how clutch he has been in fourth quarters as Oklahoma salts games away on his back. He's been a workhorse. He hands the ball to the referee when he scores a touchdown. He's never a problem. He's a team leader. He's liked by everyone, and he runs over people with <laughs> ferocity. And I just – it's awesome. And uh, I'm going to miss him around here. What an amazing record. Uh, Is there a better one you could set at OU? I mean, when you look at all the great running backs, I don't know if there's a better list you could be at the top of than the all-time great running backs in OU history. And we were, you know, it's funny because when someone breaks a record, you automatically start the debate of, well, he holds a record, but he's not the best ever. Or he holds a record and he is the greatest ever. And it's so funny because – if you want to say something along the lines of, and I heard I heard James Hale bring this up, who's on our radio station, he goes, keep in mind, Billy Sims didn't play the second half of a majority of his games. Mm-hmm. Great point. Sure. Great point. Uh, but also keep in mind, Samaj P. Ryan missed quite a few games. 
with injuries right. throughout his career. Oh, yeah, and even though it's somewhat of a, of a skewed perspective, this was, in a lot of times during the Piran era, a pass-first offense, Yeah, uh, at least in perception. They're running an air raid. Yeah, air raid, right, exactly. <laughs> and he's setting the all-time rushing record at the University of Oklahoma. I don't Oklahoma. know if I would pick Samaje either. If you, right. if you told me you're going to take the field and you can pick one OU running back all-time, Oof. I don't know. I probably don't. I probably pick Billy or Joe. Um, but if you tell me it's the fourth quarter and we've got a lead and you can pick one OU running back all time, I'm taking 32. I'm taking some IJP Ryan because he destroyed. It, it, the thing is, he sets it up. He sets it up the first one, two, three quarters. And by the time you get to the fourth, those defenses are absolutely tired of being hit. And he puts games away and you look at that time of possession number this year that OU had in the fourth quarter of games almost always on his back it was amazing I mean 10 plus of the 15 minutes time and time and time again they would possess the ball and just strangle opponents in the fourth quarter and uh, that's a, a lot of that was Samaj P. Ryan you know we expect so much from Baker Mayfield that it just kind of we, – we talked about this on Spotlight, but you haven't heard a lot of people bringing it up. You haven't heard a lot of fans asking about it, but he became – forgot about Adrian Peterson. I might take Adrian Peterson. I'm sorry. Go hey, ahead. After, Steve watching, Owens after was watching it. DeMarco I might pick Murray, Steve Owens. I might take DeMarco Murray too, man. He's <laughs> Greg ended up Pruitt. having a heck of a career. Greg Pruitt was pretty good. I might take might him. Might take Greg Pruitt, right. <laughs> See, uh, we could do this all day. I know. We could do this all day. Golly, we've had some good running backs. Pass efficiency all-time leader in college football history. Or I guess maybe the better way to say it would be the all-time leader for a single-season pass efficiency rating. What a, I mean, talk that, about under the radar. That's another thing that doesn't make a lick of sense because <laughs> it doesn't make any sense because what was the uh, uh, the story on Baker Mayfield? The scattering report on Baker Mayfield when he got here is capable of making the spectacular play, but he's a wild card, and he's, right. he's also capable of throwing it to the wrong team. And golly, we got that wrong. Yeah. I mean – it's not like – I've said this before. It's not like he's making easy throws, and that's why his completion percentage is over 70% and uh, his pass efficiency is in an all-time record. It's not – It's not. they're not running a simple offense with a bunch of dink and dunks here. Uh, he's throwing bombs to DD. He's throwing – that pass on fourth down in the Sugar Bowl was Sick. unbelievable that he made. Uh, double coverage, he puts it over one guy in front of another, right on the sideline, on the move, while a 300-pound guy is chasing him. <laughs> and he did that time and time and time again. And the fact that Baker Mayfield holds the all-time pass efficiency record, I mean, so you almost you almost think they did the math wrong, you know? <laughs> because he's too much of a swashbuckler. He's right. too much of a riverboat gambler. Absolutely. That's not Baker Mayfield. Everybody has this perception that Baker Mayfield is a risk taker and uh, a wild card. And, boy, has he changed our minds on that. Yeah, and think about that leadership coming back next year and the things that he learned from what they did wrong in the two of their first three games this year. You know, you worry about someone stepping up to replace D.D. Westbrook, but you've seen flashes from guys like Michael Jones. And there's – I look over the sideline, I see three guys in uh, uh, Dahu Green – in Jeffrey Mead and A.D. Miller, who they look like the kind of receivers Jeffrey I Mead see on Sunday. Jeffrey Mead had a really Sunday. nice sugar bowl. He had a nice finish to his season. 
So, I mean, I just – I get so excited about 2017 from a Baker Mayfield offensive perspective that I – Mark Andrews is only a sophomore. Mark Andrews is going to be back. I stop myself and realize, oh, boy, it's January. <laughs> we got a long <laughs> – we'll have signing day to tide us over. We'll have spring ball to tide us over a little bit. But it's, you know, it's still very early in that wait. And this happens. So, with that said, to wrap up football, because I do – I want to talk basketball with you before we get out of here. And we're going a little long, but we haven't done one in a while, so that's okay. okay. Can you carry over momentum from the bowl? Um, you know, we kind of talked about this before. I'm, I don't, I don't know. I think, uh, more than anything, it just kind of sets the tone and the atmosphere around a program for the next nine months. Um, whether you are being constantly criticized because of how you played or whether you are being praised because of how it ended. And uh, you got to be careful there. I mean, you got to be careful that there's not complacency that sets in, and you don't work as hard when when spring and summer comes around because you, you, you your chest is puffed out a little bit or whatever. But it's nice, you know. It's nice, and I I think that I think what you can take, I think what this team can take is we knew Baker Mayfield was good and and a, and a bunch of stuff. I don't know if Mixon's coming back, but this offensive line is really good, and all of them are back. All of them are back. And I think they go into next year with a whole lot of confidence, which for an offensive line is a big deal. And the physicality that the defense played with in the Sugar Bowl, I think Mike Stoops can put that tape on and show these guys and the new guys that are coming in the Ahmad Thomas hit and some of the other big plays in that game and say, this is what Oklahoma defense is about. And we didn't see that all year this year. And the fact that they showed it in their last game, I think that could do a world of good for Mike Stoops as he coaches these guys going into next year. Uh, by the way, I wrote this down just real quick. Here's some of the non-conference games in the Big 12 for 2017 that we can look forward to. Week 1, Maryland at Texas in, mm. in Big 10 versus S, uh, Big 12. West Virginia versus Vatech, as you mentioned. you got TCU at Arkansas in Week 2. Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. And then you have – Ohio State. Did I say Oklahoma State? Yeah, that's okay. They I do eventually meant. play each other. They will. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at him. Thank you. Ohio State. Uh, and then in week three, listen to this. You have five games. You have Arizona State at Tech, as you mentioned. Baylor at Duke, as you mentioned. Kansas State's at Vandy, okay. which had a nice little run okay, this season. Game, yeah. Oklahoma State's at Pitt. Yeah. Good game. And then Texas is at USC. And you're right. They're all outside of Tech on well, the road. Well, I mean, a- again, you – you, you have a chance there to start to continue to change people's minds. If OU goes and beats Ohio State and Columbus, that's a big deal. It's hard to see Texas going and beating USC the way USC closed the season, but if they did, that's a big deal. So there's an opportunity there to maybe start to, again, chisel away at the negative perception of this conference. Absolutely. All right. Uh, in wrapping up, I've kept you long. Uh, for those that are – we taped this on a Thursday. You're getting ready to go do the uh, Lon Kruger-Sherry Cole Coaches Show. You had the – what, the men's game on Tuesday, then the women's game last night. So you've seen both teams firsthand, mm-hmm. and you'll see, you see every single men's basketball game. Uh, what's got, what's going to take for this team to turn things around? Um, I think that we saw some positive signs on Tuesday, and it, it was a loss. Same bugaboo in closing out games, uh, winning figuring out how to win games, make big shots, get big stops in the final five minutes. They're not there yet. They haven't figured that out. And that's driving Lon Kruger crazy, and it's driving this team crazy. But they led that game for 35 minutes on the road against a pretty good team. TCU's improved this year under Jamie Dixon. 
They unveiled, I didn't unveil, they unveiled a zone against Baylor. They played it a ton against TCU, and they were really good at it. They they kind of baffled TCU for a while with it. Um, we saw McGusty play with a lot of confidence off the bench, and Christian Doolittle be more aggressive in the post, and Matt Freeman play better. Just more energy and umph. and I thought it was really encouraging how they played. I wish they could have got a win to kind of reinforce that, but they didn't, and they got another tough one on Saturday. But I think what it's going to take to answer your question is they got to win one of these. They got to play well, be in a close game in the final five minutes, make the play to win it, and and have that feeling of oh okay that's what it is. That's what we got to do. Now we know we can do it. Now we know we can do it. Let's go do it again because they've shown they're good enough to be in games, you know, without Jordan Woodard, but they haven't yet shown that they are good enough to win games when they're close late, other than the Clemson game. They haven't been in one of these tight games where they've been able to pull it out, and I think that's what they got to do. And how about Sherry Colstein? Uh, that, that was a good win on Wednesday because it almost some, got uh, away. Like, yeah, some acid or something during that one. It that almost was... got away. Uh, boy, Maddie Manning's playing great basketball right now. Gabby Ortiz is back in the starting lineup playing great basketball. But Nancy Mulkey has changed this team. I mean, She's the awesome. emergence of Nancy from someone who plays five minutes a game to someone who starts and is a major factor in this conference this year. When you can go from Mulkey to Viennese Pierre-Louis back and forth, and she subs them frequently to keep somebody fresh on the court, there is a big-time shot blocker on the court at all times, and teams are scared to try to score inside against them. And so they're better defensively because of that, which has led to a lot of transition buckets the other way, and uh, I'm happy for them. They, they got a tough next couple of games. They go to West Virginia and to Iowa State. The next two are on the road at tough outposts. But 3-0, and that's that's a pretty solid start. I'm going to wrap up by playing my Gabby Ortiz interview from earlier. But, uh, Toby, have a great uh, rest of your week, and we'll catch up with you early next week. All right. Thanks, Chris. All right, buddy. Speaking of the OU women's basketball team, had a chance to catch up with Gabby Ortiz after her huge shot led the Sooners to overtime and an eventual win over Kansas State. Congratulations on the win last night. How are you feeling this morning? Well, thank you. Uh, always feeling great after a win. Um, so, uh, yeah, I feel good. And it's a, it's a new day and time to look, look forward to, to the next game. But uh, it's always good to live in that for a little bit. Take me through the game-tying shot. Uh, was that the design of the play, and how good did it feel once the ball hit the bottom of the net? Um. It wasn't really the design of the play. I mean, we knew what we needed, um, and it kind of just happened. You know, two balls, two guys into the ball, and I was kind of left pretty wide open. And um, it, uh, I knew, I knew I had to be ready for it. I saw the, you know, clock run down. I knew we needed three, so um, I just had my hands and feet ready, and um, it, it felt good going up. It was, uh, it was a bit of a challenging game because you guys dominated in the first and third quarters, and then struggled a bit in the second and fourth. Gabby, how much, I don't want to say challenge, but how important was it for you guys to stay together during that big fourth quarter run that the Wildcats put forth? Oh, it was huge. Um, I mean, I think it, it shows a testament to our, our confidence and um, how we've grown. Um, you know, they went on, you know, we were up one time, we're up by 10, and then you look at it and, and we're trailing for the first time. And so, you know, you could, you know, turn into a shell and kind of get scared and not do anything about it. But um, I think, we, you know, we, we grabbed arms and um, we kept fighting and, you know, we had a, we had a will to win. And, 
um, yeah, I just think think uh, we just had real great confidence and, and we trusted in one another. One another. Sooners are out to a three and zero start in conference play. Gabby Ortiz joins us four for four from three point range. I, I go back to you and I talking in the preseason, and I was lucky enough to watch a little bit of your practice, and your stroke really seemed smooth, Gabby. How much improved do you feel you are as a shooter, and how has that continued to be uh, an added weapon for you this season? Um, I think uh, I've, I've made improvements. Um, it hasn't necessarily shown um, throughout the beginning of this year. I've uh, been struggling a little bit, but nothing. I mean, it, it still it still has felt pretty good, and um, it kind of showed last night, and I just want to keep building on that. Um you know, you put you put a lot of work in and a lot of shots up, and you just you know shooting shooting's mental half the time. Um, and uh, once you once you get in that good place, and you know you just you're just playing free and, and not thinking about it. Um, that's when I'm at my best. So um, I just got to keep playing in that space. When when you go out during the off season and you're trying to improve as a shooter, is it just putting up shots, Gabby? Do you watch videos? Is there anything that you do to kind of try to improve outside of just gym time? Um, yeah, I mean, film is a big, big asset too. Um, I don't always love to do it because I don't like sitting still. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, you know, even whether it's you know watching previous games of yourself and learning from yourself, or um, you know watching the best guys in the in the world um, play the game, um, that's always a positive too. And I could always um, improve on the film that I watch and the more that I do it. Um, cause I like to, I like to be in the gym more, more than do that. But, um, those are all big factors. Um, and, and then obviously along with getting shots up, just doing, you know, doing it game speed or what, what you're actually going to get in the game rather than just sitting there and doing form shooting. But, um, yeah, there's just little things here and there that, that, that helps in the off season. Does it ever kind of blow your mind, Gabby, when you see the experience on this team that you have with so many upperclassmen, <laughs> But then you look out at the starting lineup, and there's two freshmen <laughs> that are out there with you right now. Uh, and, and both, I mean, t- to me, what I see, I see two players that don't really play or even act like freshmen on the court. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's huge. Um, it's funny, yeah, funny that you say that because we are such a, you know, we're a senior and um, experienced team. And to have to have two freshmen out there with us, with all of that talent on the bench as well is um, – I mean that's huge. You know we had a deep bench and we love it because you know the fact that they can they're playing like that and you know I think their their confidence are there and 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 they're just playing. You know they uh, they're stepping up. They're they're getting used to just to big moments and um, they've been great for us. How big was it for you? I, I was with you guys in Lawrence to take advantage of that opportunity whenever you were reinserted back to the starting lineup, Gabby. I know you're a team player, so you just love to get out there and play and help your team. But how was that for your confidence in now going forward to get that shot to start again in Kansas and then to take advantage of the last three games? Um, I mean, yeah, it helps. Uh, obviously, you know, as a competitor, you want you want to be in that, in that five, but um, – you know, it's a team sport, and you know, I learned it. It was hard at first, but you know, wherever wherever I was, I was gonna do what I needed to do. And um, we, you know, we got a great one-two punch, and I was, you know, like I was gonna be ready coming off the bench or starting whatever. So be it. Um, so I don't think that really changed anything. I just think when my time was called, I needed to be ready, and um, I was just trying to focus and being in that moment whenever whenever my time came. So. Um, just the, the, seeing the shots fall, that obviously always helps. So um, I, I'm in a good place. 
Maddie's really had a, a terrific start to her senior season. Can you can you kind of give us a little perspective of what she's like on the court and what she's like in preparation? Because Gabby, we see a player that's uh, that's so laid back and 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 seems to be so calm and cool, but then sometimes there's like a a, a, fl- a switch that flips whenever she hits the court or when she's in practice and she's uh, she's in people's ears. She's staying fired up. How important has she been, and what's her personality like for this team? Oh, yeah, she's been huge. Um, I mean, you can tell by her demeanor and what she's been doing on the court that she's a veteran player. Um, and uh, she's, you know, she's decided to, to to be that player and to um, take us in the right direction. I mean, what she does, she impacts the team so much um, by her play and and how she, you know, how she leads and what she says. And a lot of people follow in that. And so she's been huge with that. Um, you know, just uh, – you know, when she gets fired up, I think a lot of it, you know, started in, in Vegas. Um, you know, she kind of was playing playing with a little bit of an anger, which can can be good or bad, but um <laughs> she's just she's been um she's been dialed in and focused and uh, like I said, I love feeding off it. We all love feeding off it. And um yeah, she's just been great for us. Thirty eight minutes last night, the fourth most of your career in a single game. So from that perspective, Gabby How's your body feel? Are you ready for the quick turnaround on Sunday? Oh yeah, we'll uh, we'll be ready. Obviously, it's you know there, you bump some bruises here and there, and and you get used to the Big Twelve play. You know, back to back, you don't got a lot of time to recover, so you got to be smart with what you do. Um, you know, we'll have treatment here in about an hour. Uh, go, you know, do some ice and heat, um, and and bet right back at it because uh, we got two um, big road games coming up here. Gabby, can you take us through? You know, there was a cool feature last year that Sooner Sports TV did about playing for a coach who was a point guard herself. And obviously that can be a challenge sometimes because there's always that, you know, they're very – I don't want to say Coach Cole is overly critical, but they know everything about the position and, and they're going to be on you to make sure you're, you're playing it to perfection. But it's also a great benefit because they understand everything that you're going through. Can you kind of take us through what that balance is like being a point guard, playing for someone who used to be a point guard themselves? Yeah, I mean, I think um, – I think I've said it before. I mean, you – you know, there's more, it's, I guess, you know, kind of the hardest position, especially with, with the coach being that and knowing and understanding it. So you're going to get pushed the most and you're going to get asked of the most, but um, it's also the most, you know, very rewarding as well. So once you figure out the balance of that and, um, you know, there's a lot of highs and lows and, you know, coach Cole is going to push you and, um, you know, make you uncomfortable or not tell you what you want to hear. But um, in the end, it's, you know, it's going to, it's going to be for best for you. And, um, just, you know, finding that balance as, you know, point guard being that leader and also, you know, helping your teammates in the way you can and also, um, being able to put the ball in the hoop. So, um, it's obviously, it's challenging and I love that challenge and, um, I wouldn't want to, um, play at any other position. I want to ask you about one more of your teammates real quick. I asked you about the freshman. I asked you about Maddie, but you know, Joya went through kind of a a tough stretch there for a couple of games where she, I, Mm -hmm. I think was held scoreless once and, you know, just had had kind of struggled a bit. But starting with Kansas, it really seemed like she's found another level. Had a big night last night with 12 points and four rebounds. You know, it's pretty important whenever you have those senior leaders stepping up. How big is it for this team to see Joya Carter rounding into form? Oh, it's huge. Um, You know, Joya, everyone knows the amount of talent Joya has. Um, She's a fantastic player. Um, She changes the level of the game. I mean, um, you know, playing, being able to play off the dribble and, you know, not many people can stop, you know, her pull-up jumper and the, the, the things she does. She's a very dynamic player. And, um, 
to her defense, I mean, she's, you know, she struggles with injuries and her body's pretty beat up. And so she's trying to take care of that. Nothing serious, but um, stuff that can hold you back. And, you know, that kind of stuff can kind of get in the way and um, kind of affect your athletic ability a little bit. But, um, you know, she's getting back into things and um, she played great last night. And we did, that's all we need from her. Um, you know, she's, she's a big impact player for us. So uh, just hope she keeps it going. Gabby, I'll let you go on this. And uh, I know the the steel totals uh, weren't monstrous last night. You guys had four. Mm-hmm. But, again, uh, you, you did a pretty good job at times protecting the basketball. What's keyed the defensive improvement for this team this season? Well, we're setting records for steals. You guys, obviously, with, with Nancy in there, have done, done a great job in blocking shots in the combination with Vivi. But it, it really seems like it started with some of the pressure from the guards, from yourself, from Joya, from Maddie Manny, from Chelsea Dungy. What's kind of keyed that defensive improvement this year? Yeah, um, you know, I think uh, Coach TK is kind of slid over to defense. They all have different um, position coaching needs for offense, defense, and and he's taken over defense, and and we've had some fun with it. You know, we really – Back in what August, we went to Spain and we worked on, you know, kind of becoming more of a pressing team. You know, messing around, getting up full court, um, doing our one-three-one that kind of gives people spits, and and we love it. Obviously, it, it it's not always uh, it's, it's pretty tiring, but you know, especially for Maddie up top, running around, flying around. But um, that's kind of you know, you kind of when you need to go on a run, we we went to that, and uh, our one-three-one trap has been huge for us. You know, Maddie's length, and um, you know, people like Nisi and Chelsea and Joya, their speed. Uh, and Peyton so um it's been fun and I think we've uh we've really you know kind of developed uh, a more defensive presence and uh I love that because you know you gotta you gotta be on the defensive end to to win these big 12 games and so um if we can just keep growing on that it, it, it'll be great well thanks for joining us for the Sooner Sports Podcast appreciate everyone downloading and listening as always you can uh, subscribe at Sooner Sports TV slash podcast have a great non-football weekend and we'll go all in on hoops next week right here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Boomer Sooner everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast and make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home yes, cool. or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H 2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.